Hello and welcome to the first episode in a new podcast miniseries from Own the Moment, the highs and lows of NFTs. My name is Coop and I'll be your host during this miniseries. We will be interviewing a variety of individuals who are active in the NFT space, be it project founders and leaders, influencers and experienced collectors, to understand each of their personal journeys into the NFT space, what excites or scares them about where the industry is currently and where we are headed, and how they handle the 24-7 nature of NFTs. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Today, we are joined by Dorian Banks, CEO of Looking Glass Labs, which is the parent company that owns House of Kiba. Dorian has a wealth of experience and has been founding and leading companies for more than 20 years. He leads the way at HOK, a team that continues to challenge what can be done in this space in a unique way, and who is working on leveraging NFTs to change the way television series are brought to life. Let's get started. Dorian, thanks for joining us today. How's your day going on a on a very lovely Thursday afternoon? Yeah, it's going great. Thanks. Nice sunny day here in Vancouver, which is uh, we're getting into the spring weather, which I appreciate a lot. Let's jump right into it, um, Dorian. I think really interested in understanding and and you describing to us your journey into NFTs, and secondarily, how did you end up becoming the CEO of Looking Glass Labs? Yeah, sure, sure. So my my journey probably really begins back at crypt with crypto in 2013, trying to convince my business partners to buy Bitcoin at three dollars unsuccessfully. Sadly, I'm not sure how long we would have held anyway. Once you make triple or ten times, you know, it's tough to hold. But uh, then Crypto Kitties in um, what 2017, I guess, uh, gambled around a bit with the cats when locking up the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, and then just uh, after that, in and out of uh, crypto and NFTs for the last five years, and then uh, uh, a little over a year, about a year ago, uh, you know, into the NFTs again, and uh, in Top Shots uh, along with a bunch of my friends, and uh, I got a I got a query asking if I could come help a, a, a newer NFT startup uh, called House of Kiba, and they were interested in raising some money in the public markets, which is very common in Canada for fundraising as opposed to venture capital. Uh, so I went in and uh, met the guys, and being that I'm older, uh, you know, and they're in their 20s, they were quite shocked, you know, uh, that I would know anything about what what was going on. And I immediately started talking with solidity contracts and and tech talk, and they felt comfortable, I think, with me then at that point. So I came on as the business leader of House of Kiba, which then uh, uh, was brought into our shell company, Looking Glass Labs. Fantastic. Yeah, I was I was curious when I just started to do some research on, you know, Looking Glass Labs versus House of Kiba. I think a lot of people listening to this will be familiar with the House of Kiba name, given the, you know, the Genesis membership um, that initially had dropped and then obviously now the Gen Zeros. But maybe can you give us the, you know, the elevator pitch, the elevator overview of what is House of Kiba? Yeah, so House of Kiba, the main division of Looking Glass Labs again, uh, we did our Genesis Pass about a year ago. I think it was one of the first ever kind of mint pass style concepts. I don't know of an earlier one, but there might be. There might be. Um, then in the fall of 21, we did our Gen Zeros drop, 10,000 uh, Unreal Engine 3D fully rigged robotic avatars. Um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, during that time, we also worked on a lot of third party work. We did uh, the rigging for Board Ape Yacht Club for Unreal. Uh, we did, uh, we're doing gutter cat gang, all of their, all the 3d reading for them, plus a bunch of other, uh, 
other projects out there that have come to us specifically for 3D, where we specialize. Um, and uh, we're helping other companies, uh, you know, enter the high-res metaverse space, I would say, by producing their assets uh, as fully Unreal Engine ready to go in any of the high-res metaverses. That's, that's primarily what we do. So we've already heard 10K, you know, the 10K Gen Zeros project. We've already got the, the fact that you guys have been working with board, the Board Apes and the Board Ape Yacht Club. We know you're doing the Gutter Cat Mansion. Man, you guys have a lot of things going on over there. And I think I'll, I'll quote you from the Edge of NFT podcast. You said one day in the NFT space right now is like 30 days in real business. So I, I wanted to just give you a little bit of room to elaborate on that and, and talk a little bit about just the hustle of everyday life in, in the NFT space. Yeah, so I come also out of you know non NFT business space. I'm an entrepreneur for over thirty years now, and uh, uh, I you know I've been in agritech and lots of tech companies and, and other other things here and there all over the planet. And I I you know I continue to compare how much happens in twenty four hour span in the NFT uh, world. It's just so fast, and you could if you went on holidays like you went camping for a week and you didn't have internet access you'd come back to like a changed world. <laughs> you know, it, it would literally take you another few weeks to catch up on everything that happened. And you just don't see that in the normal business world. You know, I'm using normal in air quotes here, but uh, you don't see that in the normal business world was things move so fast. And, and, you know, a good example is a project you might've got rugged on only two weeks ago is already gone for most people's minds, unless it's really a, a terrible, terrible big rug. But, you know, a small rug of a 0.05 or something like that, you know, it just goes into your hidden folder in your in your wallet and you try to forget about it and you know a couple weeks later you have forgotten about it and that's really what i was what i meant by that yeah i think the attention span is certainly something that's seemingly getting smaller and smaller with more and more people and entrance uh coming into the space but i think those companies and those projects that are continuing to battle for that attention and actively building is is something that it you know can come across as really special um so so talk just a little bit about you know the everyday build at house of kiba how do you balance doing some of the things that you're doing for you know companies like or in, and projects like Guttercat Gang or board, board Apes and versus some of your own initiatives? Yeah, so uh, we tend to uh, take on third-party projects when we have, um, you know, space in our schedule, I would say. Um, so we try and always have a little bit of excess room for, for helping out our partners uh, with their 3D work. Uh, that being said, we are super busy right now, especially with our Gen Zero's uh, live action series, which is actually like essentially a mini, mini TV series of you know, eight, six to eight minute long chapters. Uh, which we've finished filming the first four of now. Um, and that's taken up a lot of our time. Plus, we have an NFT series coming out um, specifically for the live action series, taking up a lot of our time. Um, but we do have some other exciting projects uh, coming up, ready to be announced, maybe in the next few weeks, which I think are really going to be surprising for a lot of people. I heard you say, and, and certainly want to want to keep it above board. I heard you say that the land sale that you guys are going to be doing at House Akiba is going to be something unique and and things that people have not seen. So I'm super excited for you know to see how you guys will will break out the the land eventually for for House Akiba. Yeah, high res uh, Unreal uh, Engine ready again for Unreal Engine five. It's basically four acres of your own metaverse. That's what uh, each of them is. So you control uh, who comes to it or not. So you can leave your land wide open. Anybody can show up and, and visit. Or you can just kind of like allow list your friends or, you know, groups of people um, to come to your land. But then you can also, you know, teleport or travel to our central um, metaverse city, which is divided up into, into districts or, you know, entertainment, uh, um, financial and whatnot. 
Um, so you can still go in there where everybody else can also go. So you have a private area, which is controlled, uh, keep the trolls out kind of idea. Uh, and then in the fall or, or late fall, we'll be doing our B2B land, our business to business land. So that'll be larger parcels where somebody like a Tesla or a, a Ford might come and say, uh, put up a racetrack so you can try out their new models. Uh, and that'll be that'll be in the probably 50 acre range. A lot of things going on as we as we continue to hear. And, and I think we hit on a little bit about the attention span in the space. I guess interested to know from your perspective, um, sort of guiding things there at, at House of Kiba, what are some of the biggest challenges or hurdles that the company has had to face given some of the current climate and where the space has come from, you know, the land of when Bored Apes initially minted and you know, every project was minting to now where it's seemingly that there are a lot more selective customers that are out there. Well, I, th- I think the big change where, you know, that everyone's seeing is it's not necessarily just about, you know, the JPEG anymore or the, or the, you know, animation or whatever it is. It's about what also comes with it in a way people are expecting utility now, you know, like people will write after a drop when utility, right? And uh, and I see for a lot of projects that is important uh, that it, that it does have an ongoing use case, whether it be um, access or you know merch is the easy one, obviously, but access to certain things or you know access to future drops, you know, with like a mint pass style concept. That's being uh, you know that's obviously the trend, and we're very cognizant of that. Not just you know trying to come out uh, with projects that just uh, to to dump a bunch of jpegs on people and that's uh, we're selective with the third party work we take because we don't want to be involved in that kind of stuff yeah i think continuing to think customer first has been you know something that you know i've seen mo- most of the the major projects continue to focus on and when and when you do kind of focus customer first seemingly good things are happening um but yeah supply is definitely a um, hot topic within the industry, especially just given some of the the nature in which uh, we're operating with people that are that initially got onboarded with NBA Top Shot and that are Dapper Labs that you know they're used to buying Dapper Labs and then they're kind of onboarding into other NFT projects. So it's interesting to talk through some of the supply stuff. Um, I guess what continues to kind of excite you about you know where this space has been and and the, the maturation of the customer. What what makes NFTs and, and running an NFT company exciting as compared to more traditional business that you've been involved with in the past? Well, one thing I really love about the NFT space, even the crypto space, uh, is that we're still very early. We're in, we're, we're in the 80s of the internet right now, uh, kind of idea. Um, I was at Webcouver last night and one of the Dapper Labs guys was up on stage and he was saying that, you know, we're in the very, 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 very early stages of all this. So I'm, I'm excited for what is to come not only from our company but from other projects other companies other people and see what how they innovate and how they change things and and what's going to coming what's going to be coming out in, in a year from now um i think that there's so much room for innovation and you know it's even as something as simple like as gating a um a limited uh, edition drop of something say if supreme was coming out with a pair of sneakers you know, it'd be in their best interest to sell an NFT for them first, which became a mint pass for the actual sneaker. And so that NFT could be purchased and then traded multiple times. Supreme could be making 10% royalty every time it moves. So instead of selling those pair of sneakers for say five or $700 the one time, maybe they've made royalties along the way and they're getting $1,000 for those sneakers now instead of the scalpers getting all the cash. And I think that innovation like that and, you know, lots of others are what's coming. And I'm stoked to see see that. Yeah, the the er, the we're early concept I think is 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 a challenge sometimes for people to really 
take a step back and, and try to recognize how many wallets are active, how many people are active within the space. But, you know, I firmly agree with what you're saying that there will be continued in innovation. There will be continued onboarding that continues to improve. You know, onboarding is something that we think a lot about a lot at, at OTM. Um, but you know, there will be waves of new people coming. It's just a matter of, of when that happens and, and trying to continue to make that as seamless as it possibly can be. The innovation that, that we've, we've, uh, or just in the middle of right now, in fact, is our live action series, Gen Zeros. And, uh, you know, we put it out to some actors, uh, Alex Ponovic being our, our first one. He came on as producer uh, and uh, actor, and he's at a Snowpiercer, uh, Mar he's on Hawkeye, Marvel, um, and uh, other shows. And, you know, we started building up other actors uh, that wanted to come on. And uh, they all came on for their lowest SAG rate possible uh, due to their contract. So they're low, we're basically like lowest pay possible. And what we're doing is we're taking all the revenue we make from that, it's a, taking it the top line in a blockchain contract and dispersing it all the way down to everybody that worked on the series, right down to hair and makeup, the key grip, everybody, they all get a percentage of, of the contract. So in this case, we're, we're using you know uh, NFTs, uh, we're using uh, blockchain to democratize entertainment. So instead of it being a big black hole at a, at a you know big studio down in LA, where we, all of our transactions are transparent. So money comes in at the top and it just cascades down through the contract, paying everybody out. And this is another example, I think, of you know how selling NFTs, we can make some money there. We can also maybe sell the series to a streaming service uh, and, and everybody gets paid out equally and transparently. And that's a, another example of an innovation, which, uh, which I think is quite cool. Equal and transparent pay, I think, is such a fantastic way to look at things, industries that you have no idea about who makes what dollars and where that money is flowing. You know, being able to use blockchain to unravel that and provide transparency into the common individual folks that are interested is is fantastic. Um, I'm really interested to learn a little bit more uh, what you can share about Gen Zeros and 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 changing the way in which a, a television series comes to light. Uh, how did how did the concept first get pitched to you i almost feel we kind of fell into into the idea kind of backwards <laughs> we made we did our gen zeros nft drop in the fall as i said uh, we had a kind of story around them uh, internally about what the gen zeros were like and they, how they were in 10 factions and then we had this idea of making a short couple of short youtube clips like a minute or two long you know about their story maybe animated or something like that and all of a sudden though i do just snowballed and snowballed until we had um you know, some of the larger actors uh, in the sci-fi world that have been on Battlestar Galactica, uh, The Hundred, um, Snowpiercer, and all of a sudden they just started piling in and everybody wanted to be part of it. And it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Even the writers, you know, they came out of other large projects too. And they basically wrote the story of these 10 factions. Um, and it, the story begins in 2022. Uh, the, it, it, the story immediately advances to 2222 after the Earth has been ravaged by um, aliens that have come and taken all of our resources. And these 10 factions all have different ideas of how to recover the planet or what to do. One faction wants to embrace aliens. One faction wants to green the Earth again, put plants and animals back on it. Another faction is an offshoot of the U.S. military, and they just want to get weapons to be ready for when the aliens return. And so all these factions have a totally different, you know, way of looking at what to do. And that's the story we're telling. And it's told in two ways, not only in live action that we shot on a soundstage here in Vancouver, but also an animated comic that is the entry to it. And then an animated comic 
after each chapter that gives you more detail on the episode if you so desire to dive in deeper and get more get more into it. Uh, if you don't have to, and you can move on to chapter two, chapter three, which tells the story of all the 10 factions. And I'll tell you, I saw the first episode in its final format just recently, and I got goosebumps. The hair on my arm stood up. I was so worried about production quality because I've just never done this type of thing before. Uh, and, and I was blown away. And I'm so excited for everybody to see it. That sounds fantastic. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig in a little bit to that comment you made about you know you something you you haven't done before. Can you give us a, a peek behind the scene of trying to make all of this stuff happen and get the right people with the right skill sets to sure. you know really move the needle? Well, the biggest the biggest one was bringing Alex Ponovic, and he's a friend of uh, Neil, our chief product officer, uh, and bringing him in because he's on you know he's a very lovable, likable, big guy. Uh, and, you know, when he would talk to somebody else, you know, the writers, for instance, Jeremy, Matt, Jeremy and Matt, um, they were stoked to join. And all of a sudden, the actors just started piling in. My, and originally, I thought this was going to be impossible to achieve. We're not going to get anybody that wants to work on this. All of a sudden, we almost had too many people. Um, like being on the soundstage, and there's like 40, 50 people running around, 60 maybe, doing all their jobs and setting up for the next scene. And, um, you know, it's shooting it in 8K on RE Digital cameras right it's just it was just wild uh, but it really all it, it comes down to the guys running the project uh, alex uh, uh, as producer neil our cpo as producer um those and you know our, our line producer as well jeremy a, a team effort i would say it really was and so many of you know projects to date continue to try to you know and continue to operate as a team and continue to drive uh drive forward but man the that that story i'm so excited to see uh chapter one and the all of the 10 factions get described you know i, I guess one one question just specific to you being CEO, um, and and we hit on it a little bit, but putting the right people in the right places. Um, how much of your time is really spent on kind of strategic vision and you know the future and 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 kind of getting to future products versus pure execution? And how are you kind of striking the right balance? Yeah, I I do definitely uh, focus more on strategy and vision, bigger picture stuff, um, understanding the the macro NFT market, crypto market. Um, so that our products and our partner products can be placed properly within uh, the current environment. I think that's a huge part of having a successful project, uh, making sure that you're, you're jiving with what's going on out there. Because as you know, the environment can change day to day, week to week, really easily. Or a major project like, you know, the, the Yuga Lands land sale, for instance, is coming up. Um, or as might have happened by the time this podcast is out, but like that, that freezes up a ton of crypto out there and it impacts the greater NFT market and floors are falling out, uh, out of all the, these great projects. And so you really have to, someone has to watch that stuff, right? I can have the, I can have staff working on the, the designs, the, the, the contract, the websites, but somebody has to be watching the bigger picture of what's out there. And at the end of the day, I'm also an inventor really. I'm looking for like the next thing, the next idea where, how can we innovate? How can we bring in a different partner that can, uh, that we can work with on some cool new project that hasn't been done before. So that's where most of my focus is. And luckily we have a good uh, executive team at the office uh, that, that uh, grinds daily on keeping everything on track. Fascinating to hear the the balance that every team is trying to strike between future vision, innovation, you know, um, being an inventor, like you had said, versus some of the execution out there. Um, and, and sort of leans me right into one of my other questions is, you know, the customer base that seemingly does judge 
every project based on floor prices. Uh, how, how do you and the team in general at House Akiba keep an eye on that? How do you kind of see through some of that initial FUD? Um, because sometimes it can be loud and, and quite challenging to handle, but interested in your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think every project, you know, uh, gets it to a degree at some point in its in its uh, in its life. We battle it, you know, all the time <clears throat> on Discord and social media. Um, but we also don't let it get to us. We understand there's always going to be those naysayers or people who maybe have alternative or alternative motives. Maybe they want the floor price to come down so they can scoop some, right? Uh, you never know. Um, maybe they just, you know, that's just how their personality is, and uh, we just have to deal with it. The I do feel bad for some of the projects out there that have, are, you know, are really high quality, uh, killer art, uh, maybe really great utility, and the floor just falls out, uh, you know, through various reasons. And I, I feel terrible for those teams because I know how hard it is to pump out a, a good NFT project, you know, and have the community adopt it. It's very difficult, and it's, you take a lot of time, a lot of effort. You put a lot of love and care into it, uh, into most of them, and then some of them just like flop bad, uh, or over time the price just declines and declines and declines to, to the point where like no one's buying it, and it's it's tough and it, it sucks. But that's I think that's par for the course with the volume that's literally coming at all of us. Um, there's just not enough new people being onboarded for the number of new projects coming out, and part of our goal with the Gen Zero's live action series is to bring people in from like the Comic-Con world or the sci-fi world and show them what NFTs are. And so when we drop a, a say a card pack of the characters in the live action series, we also we also going to have all of our actors, you know, tweet and Instagram out to all of their followers, their their millions or hundreds of thousands of followers going, "Hey guys, I'm doing this NFT project. Here's a a collector pack you can get for me. And if you happen to get the hollow version of the of my card, you get a free signed picture or you, we get a you know, 15 minute call with each other. Right. And so those, those fanatic fans out there of theirs, um, you know, we're hoping that we can bring them in, in the NFT world, much the way that top shots did at the beginning with people who are interested in the sports side of things. Right. So now we're, we're trying to drag in that sci-fi crew, the Comic-Con crew. Leveraging the social media network and the network effect that can happen there totally, totally makes sense, especially you know when you've tied it to a face who those actors that worked on this and put their blood, sweat, and tears into it, seeing them you know stand behind the project and, and want to get engaged with their fans is going to be fun, fun to watch. We've talked a lot about... House of Kiba and, and yourself pro professionally uh, it, it is related to NFTs. Interested in personally, what what maybe what projects um, have you looked up to? What projects do you think that continue to innovate? Um, and what do you learn kind of from other NFT projects that are out there? Yeah, I mean, I, I watch as many as I have time for. That's for sure. And uh, and uh, you know, I see what uh, new innovations or, or things they've done, like new contract type uh, ways to minimize gas wars, that type of thing. Um, you know, the recent spate of Dutch auctions, watching how all those go down. Um, you know, unfortunately, Aku Dreams had a had a rough go there on on, on his, um, but he stood by his community and at a great cost. Uh, kudos to him. Uh, being in Vancouver, we're a really heavy Web3 city. Um, we have some great teams out of here. Uh, you know, this is where Doodles is from. You've got Manifold here writing contracts for some of the, you know, the largest artists there are, or especially one of one artists even. Um, and uh, and we've got a, a bunch of conferences here. I was in one last night. Uh, Dappers, of course, from here. So uh, you know, I'm always following the local crew. I would say um, because uh, I see them all the time. I guess. you know that's that's one thing. So I'm always proud of what we're producing out of Vancouver. So they're the ones I would follow the most.
I think being in a Web3 or a crypto native city and place and location, you know, globally is also super important. I, I'm I'm excited for the global nature that crypto and that NFTs can take on. I think we're going to need a little bit of help across regulation to, to get everyone there, but it's going to be fun, a fun journey, at least to to watch some of that, some of that happen. We'll end maybe with, you know, I think uh, one question just related to kind of your own mental health and, you know, being so close to this space being surrounded by the space and people that are in the space, you know, seeing other people from other projects and being close to them and, you know, looking at your own projects personally, building your own team professionally. How do you, how do you check in kind of on your own mental health and, and how do you maybe even escape the space uh, that is 24, seven, 365? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. And, and I know it, I know a lot of people have given it some thought because it is a, it is a so fast moving, I've actually noticed with myself, I've had trouble reading books lately in the past six or eight months because I can't slow my brain down. I can't stop thinking about, you know, the, the NFT world, the NFT space. Um, so I'm trying to get back into reading, which I, I've always loved. Um, uh, and I, so that's how I really know it's affecting me. The, you know, I, I remember, I'll never forget, you know, I'll never forget, and you'll, you'll hear why, back when uh, Bored Apes minted, um, I I bought one in the aftermarket at about point I'm thinking point one point uh, point two and I'm holding this board ape and then my friends were going camping and we said okay let's go camping and I didn't realize we were going camping in a place where there was no sell signal so I thought okay well I'm gonna put this board ape up for sale at like a, an unsellable price point seven five I think and I went camping for four days or three days and came back to it being sold. And I thought, wow, that's crazy. It went up so fast. I'm like, well, I'm glad I made some money. You know, and you know, you know how that's worked out for me since. <laughs> uh, so I vowed, you know, this is how extreme it got for me. I vowed to never let it happen again where I was out of touch with, you know, the NFT space or at least my wallets, for instance. So I, a week after that, I bought a Starlink uh, that goes with me whenever I'm in off-grid places now. That's how, that's how insane it's become being in this space as a, as a CEO or a leader. Um, but uh, I probably for the first time in my life have also felt what I believe is anxiety. Um, I, I've never been an anxious person, even being a long time entrepreneur. Um, but I've, I've definitely felt a, a new feeling. And so I'm definitely being more careful about um, trying not to do this, you know, 20 hours a day or 18 hours a day, because I don't sleep very much. Um, and I'm being cognizant uh, now, like after dinner time, you know, to watch a movie or something or watch a TV show or, again, try and read again. Um, and so I, I, do, I do think everyone's got to watch it for themselves. And you see it on social media, people saying, guys, I got to take a break. This is getting to be too much for me. And I really think that people got to get ahead of that before it gets, before they get buried, right? Figure something out before you get buried. So what I've been doing lately is also having more dinner parties. I love to cook. And, it's, and when I'm cooking, I'm not thinking about anything else, really. You know, maybe I'm having a conversation with the people that are, I've invited over. Uh, and that's my best way to check out currently. But uh, I think everyone's got their own way, but they've got to, they've got to think of it ahead of time. I lo love the answer of trying to escape the space as, as someone that maybe also like you doesn't get a ton of sleep and, and maybe just has operated on not a ton of sleep. I think it's so easy to find yourself just 
almost like your phone is a magnet <laughs> to your face and you keep picking it up and you keep looking at stuff. And there's always another Twitter thread to read. And there's always yeah. another project that's pushing information or news, but yeah, trying to disconnect. And I, I guess, I, I guess cooking to me would keep both of your two hands busy. So yeah. that, that makes sense that you, you can't focus on too much else other than the ingredients that are going yeah. into a yeah. dish. You just, um, just got to not have web three friends over for dinner. <laughs> yes, that, that makes sense. Um, la last question and we'll end on, on this from the edge of the NFT podcast, I thought you had said a, a, an awesome thing that one of the things that you desire to do is, is get a group of friends together and, and take trips. Um, interested in where you've been in the past. That's been your favorite trip and what trip would you, if, uh, if everything worked out and you could take your friends anywhere, where, where would you, where would you take them? Yeah, I remember that question on the podcast specifically. I remember because I gave the answer, and then Alex Ponovic was asked it right after me, and he said, "Well, I have the same answer," uh, and that's really because both of our best memories in our lives are when we've been abroad with close friends, or not even abroad, but like say, not in your hometown or home city. You've gone somewhere. Maybe in his case, it was a wedding. I believe. In my case, I think my best memory was taking some some friends and my girlfriend at the time, uh, you know, to northern Thailand. Um, to an elephant sanctuary. We went zip lining through the treetops, stayed at, you know, five-star hotels, ate amazing food, of course. Um, and you, you have those memories. You don't even need to look back at the photos because they get ingrained in your brain, I think. I've been to, I believe, something like 122 countries now, um, mainly due to my entrepreneurship. And so I've seen a lot of stuff and people will often ask me, hey, where, where do you want to go next? And I'm like, man, I don't actually know because I've been a lot of great places, but I don't have that next one that I'm sitting there going, I've got to get there. I've always enjoyed my time in around the Bali region. Um, I love the, the culture there. It's got a little bit busy over the last decade, um, but still you can find places there to unplug, uh, which I appreciate. So you can be there in the party, crazy degen scene if you want down at the beach. Or you can be like in the restaurant and bar scene up, up a bit further north, or you can be over in Ubud doing yoga every day if you want. Um, and I like those options, and I, I I like those types of areas. I would say. All right, we we won't hold you hold you to an answer of what your next place is going to be, but maybe when we have you back on for the next episode after the Gen Zeros ten episodes release, we'll uh, we'll we'll get an answer out of Sounds where you're headed next. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate all of the insights that you had. Um, ton of in good information about House of Kiba, about running an NFT company, and also about taking some time to to check out and to, to do other things uh, in life that are important as well. Tell the people where do they find you? Where do we get Get more information about what's going on at House of Kiba. Yeah, so you can follow, go ahead or hit our website, our Twitter, houseofkiba.com, or just House of Kiba on Twitter. Uh, LGL.io is our corporate website. Uh, you can follow me at Dorian Banks on Twitter. And that does it for episode one of the highs and lows of NFTs. Thank you to Dorian for being our first guest. It's not every day that you get to interview a seasoned entrepreneur and CEO, but Dorian was excellent and provided us with some great insights into what it's like running an NFT company in 2022. If you like what you heard, please do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review as I would love to hear from you. We will have more from other founders, influencers, and NFT DGENs alike during this mini series. You can follow us on Twitter at OwnTheMomentNFT and follow me personally at the real coop. And never forget, there's a lot of life to live, both inside and outside of the NFT space. So no matter what happens, just keep on living, and I'll talk to you all next week.